0: Man, that's a whole lot of handsome coming at you, and welcome, and thank you for being here. You know, yesterday I had to make a choice, and I knew this was coming. I had to make a choice. I was doing two shows, I was doing an afternoon show, I was doing a morning show. And thank you for supporting them both, and I'll get to that in a second. I made the choice. I made the choice. The choice was outkick. It was very simple. Uh, I am a guy that likes to start things, I am a guy that likes to develop things. 14 and a half years in the saddle. From noon to 3, actually it started from 10 to 1, at Emma's Communications, as my wife said, you know what, that's played out. So when we were discussing what are we going to do when the time came, when I was asked to make a choice, there really was no choice. I love the people at Radio 1. It was great, but I really love the people at Emma's. Emma's is home to me. Jeff Smolian and all of my co-workers there, absolutely home. We changed ownership. I got a new job. I'm here. I'm on OutKick. I like starting things. So yesterday after my show presented to me, I said, look, all right, I'm going out kick. They said, okay, last show was yesterday. All right. I'm so dumb. I was telling Lee, I walked out of there thinking, all right, no problem. No biggie. And then, uh I realized, wait a second, this is actually going to be big news, which always fascinates me. Like, it absolutely fascinates me that my life is such big news. But it is. Cover of the Indie Star, USA Today, about the controversial host. It's great. I love it, and I'm always fascinated by it. Why did I choose OutKick? I'll tell you why. After I got out of coaching, I had a friend, Kent Sterling, and he said, you, will, oh, you would be great in the media. I'm like, yeah, that sounds interesting. I was literally cleaning out my locker at Indiana with my son. I was the head coach there. Next thing you know, I call up Kent. I said, you know, you always said I'd be good in the media. He said, hey, look, he was running the local station that had just flipped to sports. There really wasn't sports talk in Indianapolis. Not really at all. A really good show called Kravitz and Eddie was really the only thing. Uh, JMV actually was on the other show. So there were basically two shows. One station at JMV, really good. One station at Kravitz and Eddie, they had just started. I make a phone call. Hey, Kent, college friend, you said I'd be good. He goes, look, come on up, audition. We're looking to move Coward. We want to move a local show into that spot. There was no local show. Fast forward. I'm doing a show. I'm making nothing. There's never been a show. Long story short, people come. Hey, look, we want you to come back in a coach. I'm like, nah, this thing is kind of fun. I love my show in Indy, but it was time. As Lee said, you know what? It's run its course. I like building something. There was no noon to three show. We turned it into the number one, number one mid market show in the country for four years. There wasn't a show. Indiana was not a talk radio. In the meantime, I got offers to go to Chicago, all kinds of different stuff, but I digress. I digress. Why stay in radio? I'm going to tell you why. The first day, the first day I was on the air at Emis, and it wasn't really a good show, but I did say this. This is going to be a different show. This is going to be a show. It's going to be more than what you think a sports talk show should. It's going to involve politics. It's going to involve, there was no real social media 14 and a half years ago. It's going to involve my thoughts on the social culture of the day. And of course, we're going to give you the best sports insight. But here's what I said, and this is based on Bob and Tom, the legendary show in Indianapolis. I said, but the core of the show is going to be about giving back. Giving back and doing things for our community, that's going to be the core of the show, and it's based on Bob and Tom. Bob and Tom, legendary morning show, whenever I listened to them, and I listened almost every day when I was coaching in Bloomington, about every week they were doing something. They were doing something in the community. There was always something there, and I admired it. So I always said, if I ever do that, that's what I'm doing, and that's been the core of the show. So when somebody asks me, hey, Dan, you want to go back into coaching? Here's what I said. You know, people think they can affect lives in a positive way by coaching, and you can. And every single day, including last night, former players are texting me, and it's awesome. But I learned very quickly I can affect thousands of lives by giving back on my radio show, and that's exactly what we did. I can't tell you the number of people, and you'll never read about this, and that's fine, the number of people that have come up to me and say, Dan, you made me quit chewing tobacco. Chewing tobacco is something I was addicted to for 30-some years. I was. Gross. I quit. I've told the story many times. I had the same dream twice, fluttering over my daughter's wedding. I had it once after I beat Seth Greenberg when I was coaching at Bully Green and he was at Virginia Tech. I quit for basically until the summer. And then I had it again after driving back from a game when I was working for ESPN. I immediately quit the next day. Well, I started a campaign. Actually, yesterday, when I was walking into the show, this is what made me think of it because I never talk about it, a guy said, you know, Dan, years ago, you got me to quit chewing tobacco. We've helped thousands of people do that. We know the bikes program is giving hundreds of kids, approaching thousands. Bikes, we know the golf outing. But one of the things that I learned in our position, and again, this is from Bob and Tom, is to give back to schools. Every time you saw or heard somebody co-host with me, it was because we, through my show, donated something to a school or to a golf outing or to an organization, whatever it was. That was the mission of our show. Sure, we made you mad. Sure, we ripped the media. Sure. So what? That's part of being a talk radio host in my mind. Sure we went after people, fairly or unfairly. Absolutely. You don't like it? Hey, we're strengthening the nation. That was our motto, Kyle Konezovich and I. But listen, that's what that show was all about. And I thank all of you for 14 years of controversy, 14 years of fun, 14 years of speaking our mind, 14 years of making you laugh, 14 years of excitement, 14 years uh, of tears. I've cried a lot on that show. Look, my father died uh, during that show, April 8th, 2014. I took a couple days. I came back. I bawled like a baby. I cried numerous times. I got mad numerous times. But I got to tell you, I got to say thank you to all of you. You took a show. You did. There was nothing there. And you made it the number one show in the country, in a slot where there was no show. Four times you did. Four times. They only started about six years ago, so I think we're like four and two. You did that. You chose to listen, and I'm so honored. I'm so honored by the police officers, my friend uh, Sergeant Kendall, all of my friends on the police force that stopped me and go, Dan, I listen every day. I got guys on the circle, come in, go to the bathroom, same play, hey Dan, I listen every day. I'm thrilled. I'm fascinated that they do politicians all over the place, government of it. Dan, I love your show, I love what you said. Sports figures all across the country, I'm absolutely flabbergasted that we were able to take, you were able to take a show where there was no show and help thousands upon thousands of thousands of people. Whether it is, again, bikes for kids, donations, we just try to, anyway, help a young lady get donors over here, right over here at St. Simon Church, a friend of mine, and you did it. You listened and you did it. Now, you guys that are hate, hate away. Hate away, that's part of it. I always said, you come at me, don't be afraid or don't be mad when I come back at you. That's part of my life. It's always been part of my life. Hate on me all you'd like, rip me all you'd like, do whatever you'd like. That's part of life. That's part of my life. A lot of people don't like that life. A lot of people say, well, you were mean to call You're damn right. Because people need to learn. When I say get to the point, you get to the point. When you make a dumb comment, you make a dumb comment. You're out. And it was fun. And we had a blast. And we strengthened the nation. Look, I know a lot of you got offended. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. But it, 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 I cannot ever express to you To the folks at MS, to the folks at Radio 1, Jeff Smolian, the owner of MS, all my friends, the Big E, oh man, Joe Koppel, uh, John Griffin, my guy, Kyle Konezovich, Jimmy Cook, uh, Molly, all these people that said, hey, look, I got to go through the list right here. Bob Richards reaching out. All of these people just reaching out last night and saying thank you. My friends there, absolutely fantastic. And I gotta tell you, my guy hammered Nigel, all of these people. It's just unbelievable to me how great you all are to me. I had a blast, but it's time for a new chapter. You know, OutKick is starting up. There's nothing here. There was no show. There was no show. There was nothing going on here. Well, there is something going on here now, and it's us. And I want you all to say, and I want you all to know, thank you. Thank you and Indy for supporting me. I hope you support, I hope you will support this. I do. I hope you will. I hope we entertain. I hope we have great guests. I hope we have all kinds of things that make you continue to listen. Kevin Bowen, my partner, there's a gag order now so guys can't reach out, but everybody on this thing, uh, on this is reaching out to me, and I cannot thank you enough, Rob Kendall. So many people, so many sales folks, Tom Barry. So I've got a bad brain, so I got to look through this. But I cannot thank mostly the listeners. You listened to me. Why? I don't know. Never did a show, but you chose to listen to me. And I am so thankful. Haters be hating, baby. We always say it. But you know what, you haters? You were a big part of it, too. You'll always be a big part of it. Keep hating. Keep writing about us. I looked at uh, what kind, what other, what other, Midday show, small town, not New York, not Boston, not L.A., not Chicago, gets headlines in the USA Today for the controversial host leaving. I'll get into those controversies too. Hey, look, I'll always defend a high school coach that loses his job in a pandemic. Hey, if that's bad, screw you. I'll defend him against the school board. I'll defend him against anybody. I'll always defend my school, Indiana, because we do things right at Indiana, period. I'll always go at some woke liberal uh, professor, uh, woman that wants to, quote, go at it in a pool. I ain't going at it in a pool with nobody. I got a wife. I'll go at it with her. Those are my controversies in 14 years. Bah, I'm bugged. Anyway, I appreciate everybody there is. I appreciate every single Person that says, "Hey, I listened to your show. I loved your show. I'm going to miss your show, and I got to tell you, I'm going to miss you too." But a decision had to be made, and I knew it was coming. I did, and this is the perfect time. I'm headed to Naples. I'm going to Naples. I'm playing golf with Sea Sting. I'm playing golf with my boys, Urban. We're going to have a great time. We're going to do a show in the morning, and then we go. So anyway, thank you all uh, for all of your support. I could never ever thank you enough. To you haters, thank you as well. This show was able to put kids through college, good schools, Indiana, Michigan. Are you kidding me? This was a blast. Thank you all so very much. I went way too long on that. Time got away from me. I apologize. I don't know if you saw it last night, but I wish Baker Mayfield were good. I wish Baker Mayfield were good. I wish Baker Mayfield was really, really good. If Baker Mayfield was really, really good, the NFL would be more fun. I don't know. 98-yard drive. I'd actually bet against him, so I lost money. But I got to tell you. I I, I just got to tell you. I was rooting for him. I was rooting for him. I was rooting for him like it was my job I was rooting for him. I was. Now, he got it done. Van Jefferson, he threw some hellacious balls, man. It was freaking awesome. Now, I don't know about you, but Josh McDaniels, you got to guard somebody. It's time for you to guard somebody. Julie, I couldn't remember Julie. Julie, I'm so sorry. I forgot. You texted me last night. I totally forgot. I'm sorry. You're awesome. Congratulations on a year at the TV station. Dan, show me a man with no enemies, and I'll show you a man who's never stood for nothing. I got plenty of enemies, and I've stood for a lot, and I'll continue to stand for a lot. And those enemies, God bless you. I love you. Keep it coming. All right. Again, I do think this. I do think that that, uh, Baker Mayfield being good would be interesting. I don't know. You know, all I know is this. He's down two scores. They get a score. They get it back. They got to go 98 yards. Guess what they did? They went 98 yards and he wins the game. I lost money, but I rooted for him. All right, our press secretary says it was either Griner or no American at all. Let's go. And this is what I tried to tell you yesterday. I know a lot of people got mad at me because I said I was glad Brittany Griner got out. I wish Paul Whalen had, but you know what? Hey, uh, if it was no American or Griner, then God bless you. I don't trust anybody, but if that's what she says, we got no other choice. Go ahead. Let's play the clip.
1: Thank you, Kareem. In this prisoner swap, why did Russia get such a better deal?
0: Look, you know, I've talked about this,
2: uh, and I'll say this again. Here were our choices. Our choices was uh, Brittany or no one at all. Bringing home one American or no American at all. And And that's a professional athlete. We gave up a prolific arms dealer, who was convicted of trying to kill Americans, who was called the Merchant of Death. The professional athlete is also an American citizen, so let's not forget that. Who deserved American citizens? And so, 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 and 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 I have explained how the Russians have illegally uh, treated, totally illegitimately uh, treated his situation. I've been very clear on that. Uh, we've, laid that all, we've laid that out for you. Uh, and, again, the president f- felt that this was an opportunity to bring Brittany home. He is going to continue to do everything he can to bring Paul Whelan home, just like he did with Trevor Reed, just like he was able to secure Trevor Reed's release.
0: Look, I, I, I'm right or wrong, I mean, you, I'm glad an American's out. Do we have the other video on the swap? This is the actual swap. Now look, I can only imagine how emotional everybody is. I can only imagine how emotional she is, her family is, the whole deal. We did, we gave up the merchant of death. Unbelievable, but I'm glad an American's out, right or wrong, and I hope that doesn't offend, obviously, anybody, I hope it doesn't offend Uh, Military people, obviously, we would love to have Paul Whalen out. He should be out first. But, hey, look, if it's Brittany Griner or nobody, it's just the way that it is. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Um, That, you know, I I wish this had never happened, but she is out. And you know what? The world moves on. We'll see what happens with this merchant of death. And I'm not disagreeing so much. I'm not disagreeing uh, with our friend David Hookstead about does the American uh, Army go after this guy the merchant of death. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, This surprises nobody, does it? This absolutely surprises nobody. Daniel Snyder. Daniel Snyder absolutely participated in a toxic work environment. Not only did he permit, but he participated. Look, I don't know what to believe. You know my stance. I I don't know. I I honestly don't. Who knows? But they say Daniel Snyder, even after all of the things that he had where he turned it over to his wife, participated in something that was so awful that he's probably going to get the boot as the owner of the Washington Redskins. They said this, listen to this. They said over a hundred times he did not recall answers. Well, he's got a bad memory, I guess. They said he tried to intimidate witnesses, tried to maneuver around things. Look, here's the deal. Daniel Snyder, I feel like, and you tell me what you feel like, but I feel like Daniel Snyder is always going to be Daniel Snyder. He's not going to change, so you can have another, if you would like, you can have another deal. You can say, well, guess what? We got another investigation. The investigation is going to prove the same thing. I mean, at least that's how I feel about it. Where do you think, or when do you think Daniel Snyder is going to change? I have no idea. I don't know when Daniel Snyder is going to change. I have no clue. I don't think he will. I think Daniel Snyder will continue to be Daniel Snyder. Remember, it was only a few years ago that they took the team away from him, made his wife do it, and apparently he didn't learn anything from it. It's also interesting that Daniel Snyder is the guy that said, hey, look, I'm digging up dirt on you NFL guys. You know what? It's also alleged in this report that Daniel Snyder is the guy that leaked the John Gruden emails through one, uh, well, through, that were on his general manager, Allen's, issu- uh, Redskin, not Redskin, excuse me, Commander's issued laptop. So he had the emails because it was, I don't know, a a department-wide deal, and he leaked them. Beautiful human being, this guy Snyder. How do you want to work for this guy? Gee whiz, you work for somebody, and then you got to go, well, I don't know. Let me wait. (laughs) Let me wait a few years. Uh, I got to be nervous that this guy could make something into nothing and start spreading my emails all around. Now, the answer to that is don't have idiotic emails. If you're John Gruden, we all know that. I mean, what the hell? But that is not... That is absolutely not Daniel Snyder's way. So he proved to the bosses that he could, guess what? He proved to the bosses that he could dig dirt on you. Yay, rah, go, fight, win. All right, this is an interesting story. This is one of the reasons I'm glad I don't coach anymore. Mike Leach is under fire. He has a running back. He has a running back named Dylan Johnson. So Dylan Johnson's a good running back. Dylan Johnson is a guy that is his second leading running back. Dylan Johnson wants to transfer. Let's show Dylan Johnson because this is what we do. We give these long-winded pronouncements that I love my team. Yay, Rob, go fight, win. I love you, baby. But I'm leaving. You guys made me a man. Well, in the middle of all of this, Dylan Johnson says, Coach Leach did not want me. I'm not tough enough, so I'm transferring. There's now leaked audio of Mike Leach saying, yeah, I'm not too sad he's leaving. He's not tough enough. And people are actually upset about that. People are actually upset about that. It's college football snowflakes. I mean, look, in sports, hell in every walk of life, your toughness gets questioned. If you're a running back and you don't think your toughness gets questioned, then you shouldn't be a running back. Let's be honest here. We all talk the other way. We all say, well, he's a really tough runner. We say, man, that dude gets it done inside. He's a tough runner. So why can't you say a guy's not tough enough? Is that so offensive? Is it so offensive to say, I don't think he's tough enough. I'm not mad he's gone. I mean, is it only players that can say, I don't like the coach? Is that it? Is it only players that can, I don't know, say, look, I'm done with you. I'm done with your school. I don't like it. So coaches can't? I thought when I heard about a leaked audio, I thought I was going to hear about, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. All the dude said was, yeah, I'm not too sad he's gone. He's not tough enough. Every single coach and every single player has said that about another coach or player. Players talk like that all the time. They don't use the words that I I could use here, or they use the words that I could use here. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, they say it to each other all the time. You're not very tough. Man, I'm tougher than you. I'm going to kick the you-know-what out of you. Man, I'm going at you. I'm going at you. You I mean, they do that all the time. Basketball, they do that. I mean, basketball, that's all they talk about, at least in my world of basketball. But a coach isn't allowed to say to a guy or say to his staff, hey, you know what, I just don't think he's tough enough. (laughs) I don't know. What what are you supposed to say? I'm sorry, players. You're all great. No, you're all great. You are great. You're the best. Uh, Stuart Smiley or whatever his name is, right? Everybody likes you. What are you talking about? I live in the real world. I live in the real world every day. You know, people say all the time, oh, you're stupid. I could go and we're going to have mean tweets coming on later on. And don't be afraid, uh, Dylan. Don't be afraid to put the meanest of the mean tweets in there. Don't be afraid even a little bit. Go get some good ones. Some guy today, I think he's a bot, told me, hey, Dockage, my father's on his deathbed. And when he heard you are no longer on the fan, it's the first time I've seen him smiling forever. I'm just telling you. I know it's crap. Uh, Dan, you are a disgrace to the sporting world. I agree. I agree. Totally agree. Of course, that's the we live in a world where everybody's free to share their opinions. Do it. But if saying a player isn't tough enough makes you crazy, I can't help you, peaches. I, I can't help you even a little bit. All right, this last thing here makes sense to me. This last deal here, because he looks like Uh, Jason Garrett can't go coach. Like what Bob Huggins tell me one time, he said, I look like West Virginia. That's what he said. I look like West Virginia. Don't I? I'm like, yeah, you do. You know, if you ever watch Bob Huggins, he's big, he's got the beard, he got the hair going back. He's wearing a sweat. He goes, ah, it's perfect. I look like West Virginia. Well, I got to tell you, Jason Garrett looks like the Ivy League, doesn't he? I mean, not a hair out of place, you know, in shape. He looks like Stanford. He looks like, I don't like this though. Before I get into this, I don't like that David Shaw is no longer coaching at Stanford or anywhere else. David Shaw, I don't know him. I had him on my radio show a number of times, obviously, when Andrew Luck came. But I love David Shaw. I always thought to myself, man, if my son played football, I don't care whoever else recruited him, I would want him to go play for David Shaw. I really like David Shaw. So now, Jason Garrett is a guy in line for the job. He's a guy in line for the Stanford job. And I got to tell you, Ivy League, he looks the part. He does. He, absolutely. Tommy Amaker. Tommy Amaker with his mock turtleneck looks Harvard. He just looks like Harvard. I would have to coach at Bowling Green. i look like, nah, old coach, what are you going to do? I'm just saying. I am. I'm just saying. I hope he gets the job. Look, here's the deal. With some people, with some people, coaching is in their blood. And I go back to what I said initially. Coaching was in my blood. Then I got a taste of what being in the media can do. Then I got a taste of the power of helping people. The power of helping people through the media was massive. I mean massive. You're not going to read about this anywhere in the newspaper or in the, on websites because everybody in the media hates me because I come at them. I'm not going to read about that. But the power of helping people overrid my desire to coach. Now, most guys don't have that. Most guys are, and that's not good or bad, most guys like Jason Garrett are like, you know what? Coaching is in my blood. It takes a while to get it out. Like, Lee and I both talk about this. She coached for a million years. Lee and I talk about this, even though she's only 22. But we all talk about this. We're like, you know, Sunday night, off season. Um, Sunday night off season, here's the deal. Uh man, do I have a meeting? Oh, wait, I'm not coaching anymore. Because you're trying to, you're trying to get your thoughts for your meetings or your recruiting or your week in order. And you've done it forever. And once that leaves you, and I remember basically when it left me, once that leaves you, I gotta tell you. You know you're done coaching. And it left me pretty quick. It did. It It left me uh, actually very quick. And you're done coaching. It's over. So as I end this first segment, I go back to, I had to make a choice yesterday. It was a clear choice, either or. You want to do the OutKick show, you want to do your Emma's show. 14 and a half years or 14 and some change, easy decision. I love being here at OutKick. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm 60 years old. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't know. But I do know this. I got a great team with me here. I have a fantastic platform. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love the fact that we're growing. And I love the fact that I'm here. So haters, write what you'd like. Say what you'd like. Tweet what you'd like. God bless you. And thank you, everybody in the Indianapolis area and nationwide for making our show so important that it ends up headlines USA Today and every newspaper across the country and every writer in our little area here commenting, writing. That was a show that literally didn't exist. 14 and a half years later, We're the most controversial, if that's even possible, talk show hosts in the country. Thank you, Indianapolis. Thank you all. We'll be right, right. I got some mean tweets coming back. I'll read some. Hey, if you're not going to get the good mean tweets, I'll get them. I'll get them. Be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, I got to say thank you to all of the good folks on the YouTube chat. I mean, the numbers are through the roof. Hey, Dan, unblock me from Twitter. Jared, I'll get it done. Send me, send me, send me something. Uh, Give me your Twitter handle. Look, a lot of you want me to do basketball games. Hey, it is what it is. Uh, We'll get to that. That'll happen. All right, give me the bets that I'm going to give you this weekend. Let me hear from you, YouTube chat, because I want to – I want to get you involved in the show today. YouTube chat is pumping today, El Presidente. Go ahead. What we got today, Jay? What am I betting on today? Will you please? All right. Double D. Here's the deal. I'm leaving after the show. I'm going to work out because I'm on this stuff from Affinity Health. It's a testosterone thing. And I got to tell you, it absolutely has got me working out like a crazy person. It does. Like an absolute crazy person. So I'm going to work out, take a shower, get in the car, and Lee and I are driving to Philadelphia. My friend Scott Strassmeyer is the SID for Navy football. He's the assistant athletic director for Navy football. He's got me sitting next to the uh, chief of staff of the Chicago Bears, a guy named McGuire looking forward to this, going to the Army-Navy game. We're going to get there early. We're going to watch the marchings. I got the whole itinerary here. I can't wait, so you got to bet on the game. I'm not betting on Army. I'm sorry. The guy giving me tickets, ladies and gentlemen, is my friend, a Navy guy. And he reached out to me a year ago. I said, hey, I need tickets. I would love to go to the Army-Navy game. I forgot about it. He reached out to me. Go Navy. Go Middies. The score will be like 10 to nine. Isn't that what it always is? It's over under is 32 and a half. Like that's it. 32 and a half. Usually in a game, thirty-two is what one team can score. In fact, if you're the Colts, thirty-three is what you give up in the fourth quarter. But the over-under, excuse me, the over-under at thirty-two and a half and the money line, I'm taking the money line. All right. This is weird. I, I, I'm just gonna tell you, this is very, 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 very weird. Um, you know how good you do, don't you? You know how good the Vikings have been. You know how good Kirk Cousins has been. You know how good they have been late in games. Do you not? And if you don't, I can't help you. Like, the Vikings are really good. But did you know that the fighting Dan Campbells of the Detroit Lions should be, could be, and might be all the rage in the NFL? They're sitting here 5-7. and They've won, well, only one in a row, but they've won like three of their last four. Now... They're actually a favorite against Minnesota. All Minnesota's done is go ten and two. Ten and two. And you're a two-point underdog to five and seven. I'm taking the points. I'm taking the fighting Ryan Grigsons. I don't care what you do, but I'm taking Ryan Grigson and the toughness that Ryan Grigson has brought to Minnesota. And I gotta tell you, the the, the Colts miss him. They don't kinda sort of miss him. I misspoke. They've won four out of five, the Lions have. The only loss is a three-pointer uh, against Buffalo a couple weeks ago. I, I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, on, uh, on uh, Thanksgiving, um, the Fighting Ryan Grigson's, they have a real toughness late. They do. So I'm taking. You got to put that up because I can't remember my bets. I'm old. but uh, <laughs> So I am going to take the points. I'll tell you this. I'm taking the points and Tom Brady. Tom Brady going into San Francisco, I know that San Francisco is rolling. I understand, ladies and gentlemen, that San Francisco uh, is the team everybody's hot in the crotch about, but this is Tom Brady coming off a big win, big last-second win, a lot of momentum, and this is Purdy. That's right, I said it, Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant is the quarterback. Mr. Irrelevant, a guy who, quite frankly, was the last player picked, the last player picked In the freaking draft, Brock Purdy from Iowa State is – no, they're not beating Tom Brady. No, and I'll tell you why. I've told you this many, many times. When you go about the business of playing your first game, whether you're hurt, whether you get eligible, whether you get inserted in a lineup, you usually play your best game. You usually play really well. I've said this for years, and Purdy, I thought, played really well. I thought Brock Purdy, I don't know his numbers. I didn't care about his numbers. I didn't want to look at his numbers because I don't want numbers to get in the way of what I saw. I saw a quick release. I saw poise. Frankly, I saw Jimmy G. But not this week. No, ain't happening. It absolutely is not happening. He is not going out and he is not beating Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's just not doing it. Ain't happening. So that's that. Pacers tonight, minus five against the Wizards. Here's the deal. I've said this before and I'll say this again and I'll continue to talk a ton of Indianapolis sports, you folks that want Indianapolis sports, but I got to tell you, Pacers are the most interesting team in the league. Uh, Pacers are, though, coming off a one and six, one and six road trip. The only win, or maybe it's one and seven, Uh, The only win was Andrew Nebhart knocking in a three to beat LeBron James. That's it. That's all. Period. So guess what? Guess what? They come home. They're playing the Wizards. I don't care if the Wizards are good or bad. If the Pacers are good, they buckle up, chin up, young men, and they go in this game and they win it going away late. I'm not saying they're going to rout or – Are they still the team of young guys that can't handle it when things go bad? It's literally that simple. I'm going to take the Pacers. It's an emotional bet. I think they're an interesting team. I'm going to take Indiana against Arizona. Now, I don't know the line. I can't find it here uh, on the site that I'm on. But you Indiana fans, watch my Twitter because I will have that for you. But I'm going to take Indiana uh, tomorrow in Las Vegas to beat you, ladies and gentlemen, to beat. Arizona. I like Arizona. I'm all in on Arizona. But I'm gonna take him to beat. I'm gonna take him to beat it. All right? Just know that. Man, you people are great. Bob Parrish, my pleasure, man. He's ahead of market. But hey, don't be sad for me. I had to make a choice. One or the other. Easy choice. Fourteen years there, or we go here. Love it here. Don't know what's gonna happen here, but love it. All right. That choice yesterday that I made led, of course, uh, my obituary, whatever, you know, people are all over. Oh, you suck. Oh, you're great. I get it. That's what sports talk is supposed to be. You know, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to give you my opinion. You're not going to agree with it. You might. So yesterday we had a bunch of mean tweets. What do you got for me? You better bring the good ones too. It's impossible for me to be offended. Shame on you saying no one cares about them. Nothing more than a shock jock. Yeah, I don't know who I did that to. I don't know who I did that to. Who did I do that to? Certainly wasn't Brittany Griner. I talked about her, uh, I don't know, ad nauseum. Uh, What else you got? You complain about America more every week than BG has her whole life. But I'm sure she hates America, and you're just a patriot. Well, uh, Shane, I think you're right. I think I am a patriot. I'm absolutely a patriot. Yeah, I'm not one of those that complains about Brittany Griner. I'm not one of those that complains about America. I actually love America. I don't like America. I love America. I love the country that we live in. I respect the living hell out of the country that we live in. Let me give you one from Maximum Steeze. I'm glad you got fired, clown. That's what I'm talking about. That's how I like to roll. That's how we need to do. I'm glad you got fired, clown. Yeah. Who isn't? (laughs) What else you got? Imagine basing your entire existence on being a, you know what, IU basketball player. I got to tell you. I got to tell you, I don't base anything on being a bad Indiana basketball player. Being a bad Indiana basketball player came to me. And I would ask, how do you base your entire existence on that? How is that? I don't think I base my, I'll tell you what I base my entire existence on. I base my entire existence on being a great dad. Having a fantastic relationship with my current wife having an unbelievable relationship with my children, my former players. That's what I base my entire existence on. Hell, I got a great relationship with my wife's ex-husband. I got a great relationship with my ex-wife. If you don't have a great relationship with me, that's on you. Cause I gotta tell you, it's impossible to offend me. It's impossible to make me mad at you. I love you. I love you. Long time. But don't think for a second that you or me or whatever can possibly think that I base it on being a crappy Indiana basketball player. Huh. All right. Okay. What else you got? In the last – oh, this guy. This guy's always angry at me. He has gone from calling multiple primetime college basketball games a week on ESPN to being fired from local radio in his home state. You hate to see it. Well, actually you don't. You love to see it. That firing thing, there's nothing I can do with that. I told you I had to make a choice. Yeah, I had to make a choice. Look, i am never worried about any of it. I got to tell you, good, mad, happy, or sad. You get fired from a radio show after 14 years, I guess, or you make a decision to change jobs. Why am I always the guy? Why am I always the guy when he changes jobs, everybody says he got fired? I don't know. Uh, and I ain't mad about it, though. Uh, I look at the mirror, and I hope you do too. The mirror is good to me. The mirror is great to me. It's absolutely fantastic to me. I love the mirror. I look at the mirror all the time. I don't like this face, but I like what's looking back. I do. I like what's looking back at me in the mirror. What else you got? I'm tired of Dan Dockish leading the people of Indiana into the world of disinformation. He has a giant platform and only uses it for monetary game. Wake up. Even his bikes program, which is admirable. He uses other people money. Ask him to show his house and cars. Uh, I did get a new car. I was driving a uh, 175,000 mile, Traverse that would go like this until about two weeks ago. Uh, My bikes program, I don't know. I buy 10 bikes a year. Uh, How can, that guy's always mad at me too. He's a truck driver. He's always mad. He's angry. (laughs) So now even doing a bikes program, is bad. Now I make money off a of bikes program. I don't even handle the money. The money goes to the Indiana sports club. I'm not explaining myself. This guy, get mad. Get mad bring it. Bring it all, people. Bring it. What else you got? Bring it all. Let's go. For people who say they don't like to see anyone fired, good for you being a nice person. That ain't me. I hate Dan Dockage. Glad he got fired from his other show and from announcing. He's a blankety blank human. I agree with that. I do. I agree. I think I'm gonna start crying. I I I I I I I I am gonna I'm gonna tear up. What else you got? <laughs> so this was the camel that broke the straw's back. In any case, Dockage finally gets fired. Now he can polish up that resume for Owen and can spew his moronic hate speech to the tens of listeners still interested in his sorry. Ass. Rick, me. It's always the same people. Hey, Rick, me. Bite me. How about that? Just simply bite me. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like during this segment, I was explaining myself too much. Uh uh-uh. uh. Well, give me another one. Hey, Rick, simple. Bite me. I heard, I saw it last night on a TV show. Dan Dawkins began his show with masterable knowledge of basketball with a contrarian heart, the show dissolved into a personal grudge match every day. A self-absorbed paranoia character that couldn't go 10 minutes without hurling an insult. I think I could. No, I do. I think I could. I think I could go 10 minutes. Hey, JR, bite me too. (laughs) Yeah, well, personal insults are part of life, pal. Yeah. What else you got? Watching toxic Dockage fanboys attack Greg Doyle for his sin of not liking the hate and bullying that is Dan Dockage is a microcosm of what's wrong with Indiana. I love Greg Doyle. What are you going to do? You don't like me? You don't like me. Doesn't bother me. Hey, look, I don't know what fanboys are doing. I haven't paid attention to any of it. The only thing I've done is say, hey man, like me, don't like me, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening all these years. Seriously, can't thank you enough. I don't know what to tell you. Go ahead, what's next? Absolute W for the folks at 107.5 The Fan. Finally, we don't have to listen to the mad rumblings, the mad rumblings of Dan Dockett's any longer. I got to... I I I got a uh I got a hint for you. You didn't have to listen. Like, with all due respect, you did not have to listen. Listening was optional. 70s on seven was good. Hell McAfee was on when we were on. Nobody handled this. I did this only one time. Only one time did we force somebody to listen. Did we go gun to head? Only one time did we say, okay, we're putting a gun to your head, and we are making you listen. I can see the article tomorrow. Dockage put gun to head a listener. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, look, I never put a gun to anybody's head. I never said what you had to do. I never. You don't want to listen? Don't listen. Hey, Dockage, how much longer until the Purdue segment? I can talk about Purdue. I can do that. Purdue, very simply, is the best team in college basketball by resume. There's nobody that has a better resume than Purdue. Let's talk college basketball. I don't know if you saw this last night, but they call this the Cyhawk series. It's an awkward name. It's uh, Cyclones against the Hawkeyes. And if you watched it last night, I'm guessing you watched it for only, oh, I don't know, about 10 minutes because, frankly... It was a freaking route. The halftime score was 40 to 20. The final score was 75 to 56. And I got to tell you, it wasn't that close. It was a freaking route. Iowa came out and absolutely dominated the game. I turned it on. It was 10 to nothing. I kept watching. It was 15 to nothing. 15 to nothing. There was no coming back from 15 to nothing. It was unbelievable. That's usually a good series. But obviously, uh, I don't know, Iowa said enough. They just said, no more, we're done. The game of the night, though. The game of the night was Rutgers basketball. Rutgers basketball taking on Ohio State. Now, this game looked over. Like this game was over. So, a kid named Tanner Holden, who was a good player at Wright State, hadn't taken a shot. He hadn't taken a shot. He hadn't done anything. He gets the ball. The ball's fumbled on the sideline. They're down one. He gets the ball. He looks around. He has no choice but to shoot it. Five, four, the ball's running around. Three, two, Tanner Holden basically picks the ball up, eyes it, tries it, flies it, down two, I'm sorry, hits a three-pointer from about 29 feet, everybody's going nuts, there you see it, Ohio State beats Rutgers, and it's the absolute game of the night. Is Ohio State any good? I don't know. They're good enough to beat Rutgers. They play North Carolina next. North Carolina has dropped out of the top 25 after being number one. Is Rutgers any good? Yes. I got to tell you, Rutgers is very good. When you watch Rutgers, you watch a team that is tough. You watch a team that is smart. When you watch Purdue, you watch a team that is tough. You watch a team that is smart. That's what you're watching. That's exactly what you're watching. When you watch Purdue, you're watching arguably the smartest team in college basketball. When you watch Indiana, you're watching basically the oldest team in college basketball. You just are. And I got to tell you, it's fun to watch. Purdue has a kid named Braden Smith. Now, those of you that are old enough, Braden Smith is Damon Bailey. If you guys remember Damon Bailey, Damon Bailey was in eighth grade, season on the brink, came out. Bob Knight said he's the best basketball player that he's ever seen in eighth grade. Best prospect. Damon Bailey lives up to it. Damon Bailey goes ahead, wins a couple state championships, actually wins one state championship, his last game of the year in front of about 50,000 people in the old Indiana Hoosier Dome. Damon Bailey goes to Indiana as the leading high school scorer in the history of of high school basketball in Indiana. He absolutely lit up to it. This kid here reminds me of Damon Bailey. This kid here is the kind of kid that you win with. He's from Westfield. Westfield used to be a town with terrible basketball. Westfield got a, to- a thing called Grand Park. They redid the town. So next thing you know, this kid becomes Mr. Basketball. This kid shoots it, he drives it, he defends it, he's athletic, and he makes clutch plays. This kid, ladies and gentlemen, is the next Uh, what's the right word? Hated player in the Big Ten. Hated. Every Big Ten place is going to hate the guy. Every Big Ten place is going to boo the guy. You know, the white guy at Duke that y'all hate, you know, going back to Woj and everybody else, you just hated them. That's who this guy's going to be. And if Purdue gets good enough, if Purdue gets to a point where Purdue is good enough to be in the national scope, which they are right now, and if they can stay there once we get rid of football and the end of conference season comes, conference tournaments come, if they get there, Purdue, then you will hear and you will hate if you're an opposing player, Braden Smith. Now, I'll give you my two national players of the year since we're going into the weekend. They both reside in Indiana. They're both in the Big Ten. Trace Jackson Davis at IU. All the guy did was get the third triple-double in the history of Indiana University basketball. That's all he did. That's all he did. What are you going to do? Hey, I'll go get a triple-double. They beat Nebraska. Nebraska was coming off of a win against Creighton. At Creighton, top 10 win. First real big win for Fred Hoiberg. Here comes Nebraska. They come into Assembly Hall. They got a plan. We're going to double up on Jackson Davis. Jackson Davis, you know, he takes eight shots. Takes eight shots. And you know what he does? He gets a triple-double. You know what else he does? More importantly, he gets Indiana off to a good start. Now, you can say you're being a homer, Dan. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. It's a top-ten team. He's the best player on the team. He's doing everything that he possibly can do. And here's why I like Trace Jackson Davis. Because Trace Jackson Davis this summer, this summer, announced that there ain't going to be no smoking weed on my team. Not going to be any shenanigans on my team. It ain't happening. It will not happen. I cannot have it. I will not have it. That, to me, as a former Indiana player, that, to me, spoke volumes. That, to me, absolutely spoke 1,000% volumes on that kid's leadership. But he's co Player of the Year. He's not the Player of the Year by himself. Zach Eadie is a man. Zach Eady is, by all accounts, a mountain masquerading as a man. Zach Eady is a guy that nobody has an answer for. He's seven foot whatever the hell he is. And I say that legitimately. Like, some people are seven feet, but they're not. Some people are seven feet, but they're like seven feet ten. Like, it's unbelievable when you stand next to Zach Eady, how big this dude is. And I got to tell you. Not one team in college basketball has an answer for him. Now, is he going to go through the entire year averaging? What is he averaging right now, like 30? No, no, no. He's not. Uh, He's averaging 24, nine rebounds, two blocks. They play Nebraska this weekend. So is he going to average 24? I don't know. But I do know this. Let me give you his last three games. Against Florida State. He had 25 and 8. Listen to these, this number. Against Minnesota, opener of the Big Ten. These are stupid numbers. Had 31 and 22. 31 points, 22 rebounds. This guy. He can dunk it with his crotch, this guy. Zach Eady. then against Hofstra. Nice little game. Get yourself a win. Speedy Claxton and the fellas coming in. All Zach Eady does, listen to this. three assists. I don't know about you, but that's a man. And here's the deal with Purdue, and here's the deal with Indiana. Both Purdue and Indiana know how to and know where to get their player the ball. You don't see a bunch of threes being jacked when Jackson Davis is on the right block. You don't see a bunch of threes being jacked When Zach Eadie has post position, if you like your team, watch the best player. Where does he get the basketball? Does he get it in a spot to score or does he get it somewhere else? I don't know the answer to that, but I do know this on Indiana. Jackson Davis gets it where he needs it at Purdue. Zach Eadie gets it where he needs it and they get it damn near every time. Uh, I'm going to go back to something real quick. I hope Baker Mayfield stays in L.A., and I hope Baker Mayfield gets good. I hope Baker Mayfield becomes a guy that we have to watch because Baker freaking Mayfield makes my life more interesting. What he did yesterday. Here's most professional athletes. Uh, here they are. They get traded. Well, you know I got to spend some time at home. Well, you know I got to. Well, no, 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 no. You know what he did? He showed up on Tuesday. That's right, Tuesday. You know when the game was? Last night, if you missed it. Tuesday. He didn't have to get his affairs in order. He didn't have to go do this or that. He just said, look, I'm a baller. Let's go play. My mother famously said this to me one time, Mike Guns. She famously said to me, as we were going to church and I was dawdling, she goes, you know, Daniel, if you were going to a basketball game, you'd have been out the door 10 minutes ago. That's right. But we were going to church. So it was like, Hey, I can't find my socks. Hey, I got to wash my backside. Hey, I got to brush my teeth. Daniel, if you were going to a basketball game, you'd have been out of here 10 minutes ago. You got one hour for God. That stuck with me. That's why I go to church every Sunday. She said that she crushed my soul. You got one hour for God, all the stuff that he's doing for you. I'm like, ah, my gun's next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. We should have like that uh, big show entrance for the gun show. Yeah, it's the gun show. Let's go, Mike. <laughs> Let's guns. Go. <laughs> all right. Let's not even mess around here. You ready?
2: Let's go, Dan. Generation Always a good time on I me. Mean.
0: They want to they want to cancel Santa Claus because it's traumatizing for kids when it's not real. That's crap.
2: It's 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 unbelievable. So I wrote this article on Outkick. Uh, a lot of these TikTokers are going viral right now because these Gen Z parents are so concerned. Oh, it's not even woe is me anymore. It's oh the children, the children. And now there's a growing movement out there for parents that don't even want to explain or let their kids enjoy Santa Claus because of what you just said. They truly believe that it's going to be too traumatizing for when they grow up and find out that Santa Claus allegedly may not be real. Now, this is absolutely crazy because I guess these, uh, you know, Santa Claus has been around for generations and I'm pretty sure we turned out okay. So that these people are just selectively choosing the history or whatever that they want to do. These these crazy whack job belief points because they're overlooking the fact that everyone turned out pretty okay once they realize that Santa Claus may not be real or not. But it goes further than that. And this is what really gets me going is it's these parents are doing it for themselves rather than their children. They're limiting their children's ability to whether it's uh, to, to face failure. At times, to uh, you know, some, there, there's such a movement to protect the children or shield the children that we are dooming our society. Our future gener- generations, Dan, are screwed in the future because are uh, we're, we're limiting, we're hindering their development. This participation trophy, everybody gets a ribbon. It's 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 it's, it's psychotic. It's lunacy because the real world isn't like that, Dan. And we're seeing a growing shift on that. And it's just crazy to me. The fact that you're not going to allow your children, your child to enjoy Santa Claus when everybody else in the classroom is, then they feel like there's something wrong with them. You know, like now you're, 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 you're screwing up your child because then all of a sudden they be like, what's wrong with me, mom? Why is everybody else enjoying a good time and writing their Christmas list when I can't? Like, you're hurting your own kid. And a lot of these people, a lot of these Gen Zers, and, and, you know, I don't like the whole society, generational gap thing, whatever, because we see it with all the Karens and the Chads out there, no matter what age group. But I do feel that millennials and Gen Zers, a lot of the time, they're doing it for themselves. Clearly, they're not doing it for the betterment of society or for their children. They're doing it for themselves. Like, they make these videos that go viral because... They feel like they have something to prove for themselves, and they're using their children as an example. And w- we're seeing it already, whether it's test scores being, disc- uh, you know, decreasing all across the board, to you know, the, the TikTok generation. Like it's just, um, it- it's it's pretty pathetic it's sad. Once you're going after Santa Claus, and
0: I mean, really, where do we go from there, Dan? <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember cuz uh I got a guy here Ryan Mueller on my YouTube chat saying, "What? Santa Claus isn't real? Don't tell me the <laughs> Easter Bunny isn't real." Right. Do you do you remember when you found out Santa Claus wasn't real?
2: Yes, but it wasn't uh well, he allegedly not real, Dan, all right? We might have kids watching, all right? You know, it's allegedly, allegedly all right? Yeah. <laughs> the uh but it wasn't because I was told so. It's because after a couple of years, I kept finding the presents because I would dig around like a, a freaking scavenger going through my, through my household in the car and stuff. So I put two and two together and I was like, it's pretty interesting. Uh, it's like, huh. So I, I I did. But guess what? I wasn't traumatized because it, it's, it's one of the most joyous. It, it, it's being a kid. It's why can't we allow kids? to be kids anymore, why do we have to rush them into uh, a life full of disappointment, which is what a lot of life is. Like, why, like Let the kids be kids, all right? The fact that you be like, oh, it's too traumatizing. This is exactly what's going to screw them up future down the line. They're all gonna be in therapy. They're all gonna be, it's just, how many excuses can we give? No longer do we hear where it's just like, the, the excuse like, life isn't fair. You know, I was growing up, my parents would be like, i be like, why is that? And like, well, you know, sometimes life's not fair. They don't want to hear that anymore. They want this utopian society. And they just want to be nice and coddle people and be like, oh, well, maybe if you're just nice to people, everything will turn out. You know, you, you know how many atrocities have occurred throughout human history, Dan, for those that are just like, well, maybe if we just talk to them, it'll be OK. That's not the real world in this <laughs> mindset. It's not the real world. The, the mindset is why America's going to fail in the future. If we continue this way.
0: See, I always use this here as a baby. I always say this is a baby because I don't have anything else. I mean, and when you came out, okay, pop, you pop out, all right? And the doctor smacks you on the backside. He whacks you. You know what he doesn't say? You'll go through life never being offended. You'll go through life and never have a problem. You'll go through life and never have anything bad happen to you. You'll go through life and everything will be perfect. Here, Mom. No, he smacks you, you get a first good cry in, and away you go, because the rest of your life, you're going to have to figure out how the heck to get going. Do I cry? Do I quit? Do I whine? Do I moan? Do I take pills? Do I drink? Do I do I hurt myself? I mean, honest to God, adversity helps people, but Santa Claus finding out is not adversity, period. <laughs> Depending
2: about the, the, this bubble wrap society that we want our children to go through is mind-numbing to me. And you're exactly right. The the more that we, you know, we try to protect, it's just like, like I said, this participation trophy society where it's like, oh, well, you know, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right, kids. Well, guess what? It's not going to be. But on the flip side, for any of the viewers out there, this is my mindset going for it. Shout out to all the parents out there that are teaching their kids about, uh, you know about values and about uh, perseverance and teaching them that life isn't fair and that there are going to be struggles and that when things don't go your way, don't go your way you can't just complain about it and file a lawsuit to just start you know, complaining about uh, oh what was being why you know why is everybody against me maybe people aren't against you it's called life so for the parents out there this is a huge opportunity for them to instill values and that determination and that kind of like killer instinct mentality in their children so that they surpass all the adult babies that they're going to be going up against who were like, who are just going to be shocked when things don't work out their way later on in life because of their, the way that they were brought up. The, the, the was, Dan, there was one thing I found very really, really interesting about this. Cause I did a, a whole article about this uh, thing about the Gen Z parents don't want uh, Santa Claus is too traumatizing for their children. So there's a growing movement telling them that they don't, uh, they can't, learn about it because they're going to be very upset later on one of the people some like you know some like doctorate author god knows probably a, a lot of fun at a dinner party um she was her argument was that have you ever seen kids cry when they meet santa claus they're like and and, and her argument was that because uh you know they're going to they're 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 very scared of him and and, and what he instills that he's an all-knowing being well, guess what? They also cry when they sit on the Easter Bunny's lap, too, Dan. So clearly, this whack jobs argument does not make any sense at all. It's because they're three years old and they're in an unfamiliar situation. It has nothing to do with the fact that they're like, oh, this naughty or nice person's gonna like it's like, no, they're scared because it's a freaking like, a guy with a beard. Like, you know what I mean? They cry from the Easter bunny. The Easter bunny's not all knowing exactly. Look at that photo. Look at that photo. It's nothing to do with this person. So like these arguments. The, the arguments trying to defend this asinine concept that goes just beyond first it's Santa Claus. Then it's you know, complaining to the teachers because, oh, well, you know, you taught my you, you taught my student about the, my, my kid about the Constitution. You can't do that. They want to wipe out the uh, you know, they, they want to wipe out what, what we learn in schools. They want to get rid of all law and order. Obviously, they just want to change everything that society and America has been built on so it's 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 a it's a Uh, growing mindset that needs to be changed
0: i literally cried when i had to sit on um i would have cried i would have i would have cried uh had i i did when i sat on his lap i i I did at meadows apothecary i never forget and then santa came to my house it was like my uncle And they were taking pictures, and I hid my cuddly Dudley slippers because I thought they – you know, Santa's a mess, but I turned out mediocre. So there you go. i got to ask a question. This is serious because I think people need to start doing this. I do. Um, A store – I'm going to Philadelphia here coming up. uh, As soon as the show's over, I'm going to the Army-Navy game, so maybe I'm running into this. A Philly store owner (laughs) hired his own armed guards because crime is crazy. Guns. Crazy
2: you might have to uh, no joke bring, bring your bulletproof vest if you're going to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a cesspool right now. It is a perfect example of what's happening in these uh, democratically run cities that we're seeing. Whether it is a New York City, whether it is a Philadelphia, you look at Chicago. Chicago is just a, a train wreck every single weekend. Uh, people care so much about about uh, you know protecting people. Well, where's all where's the outrage about all the gun murders that happen in Chicago every single weekend? You know they fall on deaf ears. There's you know it's selective outrage that we had there. But yes, this story. When i saw this i had to do it for outkick because it's and bad when store owners store owners and business owners now have to hire their own private armed security because the mayor the da's the cops nobody is doing anything and it's not the cops fault because their hands are tied like they they crime has become so rampant in a city like philadelphia that the cops can't respond to everything and it's the policies by the district attorneys, by these, you know, pandering judges out there, by your mayors and whatnot in your city that are allowing this to happen because there's no punishment. This person, there's th- video on this, all right, for why the final straw for this store owner was when robbers came, okay? Now, they didn't try to break or damage the ATM, They stole the whole ATM and threw it in the back of the car, Dan. (laughs) They checked the whole thing. That's like from the movie
0: Friday. (laughs) It's
2: like, screw it, we'll take the whole thing. But, I mean, I I wish I could laugh about it, but I'm I'm laughing about the absurdity of it. Because when you're not, when, when you're allowing every single week, every single week we see Go, you know, people ransacking like Dwayne Reed's to CVS's to, to people in uh, in uh, San Francisco just stole thirty thousand dollars worth of a uh, of goods from an Apple store. It starts at that petty crime or, or you know the lower level. Then they realize, oh, well, nothing happened to me. Then next thing you know, they're stealing ATMs. Next thing you know, they'll probably bring a, a firearm with them because nothing has happened to them. And the uh, it's it, it, it's gotten so crazy that now. This business owner has to now take money out of their hard-earned salary when they're just trying to get by because the elected officials aren't doing their job. And that is wrong.
0: I played golf with a night commander of the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department. And he's like, man, our prosecutor, Uh, his policies are getting us killed. He's getting people killed. Not us, but he's getting people killed. It just is because they keep letting these guys out. My wife works at Athleta, a store in a mall, fashion mall here, and she's like, yeah, we're instructed. If people steal, just let them go. The world is nuts, man. The world is insane. And I don't get it. I did see in L.A., though, I think it was L.A., where they caught a ring of guys and gals, I don't know, teenagers actually, that stole, I don't know, 21 dollars $22,000 worth of stuff in one of those sprees that you see. So at least right. maybe L.A. has something going on. They prosecute them. Did you see that? Well, heres a th- I, I, I wouldn't put faith in Los Angeles for anything, Dan. <laughs> they, well, got right. they got one yeah, thing right. They got one thing right out of yeah. 500
2: things that that mayor has done uh, a terrible job. Of. I mean, listen. Congratulations. one wanted them. Uh, it, it's more so this mindset that criminals, especially <laughs> from a younger, from a younger age on, realize that nothing is going to happen to them. And you know, I did another story about Seattle. This person runs a a, a Sierra Fina, all right, Italian restaurant. Been there for thirty years, three decades. He has been robbed eighteen times in the past two years. 18 times, he's worried about losing his insurance because he can't keep claiming it. But the cops aren't doing anything. I delved into it more. Do you realize in Seattle that unless it is a violent crime happening, there's no there's no urgency whatsoever from from the cops. A lot of times the cops aren't even the ones that respond unless it is a violent crime that's happening at that moment. In addition to that, Seattle, the genius is there on the board there and the city council and and everybody. You get what you elect. You literally elections have consequences. These are them. Seattle police are not allowed to do vehicle pursuits. So if you get away, as long as you do a quick, a quick grab and go, they policy, Seattle police policy dictated from their crazy mayor does not allow the Seattle police to pursue you. That is crazy to me. One step further, Seattle police. We already know like what the you know what the mess the the city is. They have a depleted police force because a lot of cops are just like the heck with this. I'm not risking my life when I'm not even getting the backing from our mayor or from the city council. They just voted. Right. The city council did. All right, the eighty. They, they they cut the police force by eighty more positions. You're just asking for mayhem. Just mayhem in Seattle right now. But that mindset is going because it's a, you know, instead of jail time, they want to reform the criminal justice system. Maybe if we just talk to them, they'll be able to change. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> oh. Good luck.
0: Hey, uh, we got to play a clip. Patty the Batty doubles down. He's not going to apologize to Ariel yeah. Helwani. I knew Ariel. He's a good dude. He was at ESPN when I was there. It's a UFC exclusive on the gun show let's play this baby
1: no i've got nothing lad he's the little mermaid can say what he wants and make as many lies up and false narratives he wants we know the truth do you regret how much
2: attention it's getting
1: no i don't give a flying fuck it doesn't affect me at all it's just crazy how he's got so many trolls on me case <laughs>
2: Right, yeah. Well, it is, yeah. Is it a, do you think it's a distraction or is it kind of just like another thing that you brush off your back? No, not on the me, lad. I'm here
1: to do a job. I make waiting like 22 hours. But the little mermaid isn't going to distract me from anything.
2: Yeah. So obviously, you clearly don't regret it. Will you be going on the show anytime sooner, reaching out to him, or can we say that that relationship seems to be gone or lack of relationship? He broke that,
1: he broke that relationship last year, lad, when he started talking about me on the Pat McAfee show. And then went on a rant about me Me manager a couple of months ago, one of the only people who's got me back. So he, he knows what he's doing. Simple as that. He knows exactly what he's
2: doing. So, yeah. What's so, this about? He, what
0: are we going to do? All right. Here? So there's
2: a little bit of a backstory here. All right. So this guy, Paddy the Batty. All right. Paddy the Batty is one of the biggest uh, up and coming stars right now. He's like a Conor McGregor 2.0. He loves trash talking, he loves calling people out, he's a viral sensation, and he's dominant. He's fought three ties in the UFC, he's won three performance of the nights, which is like a major, you know, the, the major award given, Three for three so far, and he fights again on Saturday. He's just calling out uh, Eero Hawani from, uh, you know, formerly from ESPN and Fox because uh, they got into a a big public tiff about, uh, you know, should you have to pay for interviews or whatnot? Because it was allegedly in order to have guests come on, uh, the argument was, should you have to pay for them or or just you should be supporting the sport? But the, the more so thing, that was a little inside, kind of inside the ring right there, but more so it's about this guy, Patty the Batty. is a a person that you need to start following because he's got a massive social follow and he also just doesn't care. He reminds me of you, Dan. You're a straight shooter yourself, man. Mm -hmm. You just say things the way you are. You don't care about what the trolls are gonna be. I just saw your mean tweet segment out there. It's becoming one with yourself, realizing that you're right. And then just as he's able to deliver inside the octagon and continue crushing and decimating opponents, So are you here on OutKick, my friend?
0: That's what we do. That's, hey, that's exactly what we do. I mean, look, uh, you're the same way. Look, here's the deal. I mean, you can go through life one way and be complicit. And I feel like I am pretty much, I'll follow law, I'll follow order, I'll follow all that. But at some point, you know what I used to say, hey, by treating people that are dumb like they're dumb strengthens a nation maybe it helps them maybe they're not dumb anymore maybe they learn maybe they grow up it's the right. coach in me don't just accept stupid educate
2: love that no I, exactly right it's it's kind of our overarching theme of today's segment is uh life's not fair for everybody out there if you're going to be an idiot you deserve to get treated like an idiot if you're going to uh go through life and woe is me woe is me well guess what Uh, you're going to have no friends and you're not going to become a success because people are going to surpass you uh, every day of the week, bottom line. So it's about taking accountability for your own actions. And also, you know, Dan, like you and I do, you got to call people out when they're wrong or when they're, uh, you know, when, when they're idiots or whatnot, you gotta, you gotta be, we're straight shooters. We like calling things the way they are. We don't have to coddle anybody. We have to pander. There's no pandering here on Dakich's show, my friend.
0: None. The non-pandering <laughs> would this zone. The non-pandering zone on cry? <laughs> <laughs> would, would this make you cry? Or let me ask you even a better question. Would you think this would make a parent of a child who, you know, that parent didn't want to learn about Santa Claus because that parent is so soft it thinks it'll demonize the child. Would this make that parent cry? Dockage, it's definitely the holiday season. Dan Dockich is off the air in Indy. He's as rotten as last year's acorns. Would that make that parent (laughs) cry if that was said about them? I
2: I believe that person already reported that tweet. They would have reported – they would have gone to Twitter's (laughs) offices with a sign being like, Elon, this person hurt my feelings. So soft. Uh We're so soft as a generation.
0: Uh, Last, last thing before I let you go, I'm gonna get into one one football thing here. I'm going to the Army Navy game. I can't wait. I'm leaving. What is it's a bucket list thing for me uh, to be there, and we're getting there early. Like they march in. There's times when you know the midshipmen march in the cadet. There's times, and we're getting there for all of it. I want to see all of it. Do you have a game or an event that is a um, uh, bucket list deal for you?
2: You know, it's internet. So like I've done Super Bowls, you know, like but but the Super Bowl, it it's such like hysteria around it and, and such a big thing that sometimes you don't even realize the game itself because of everything else going around. So I've been fortunate enough to do Super Bowls. Honestly, I'm such a diehard uh I want to see, I'm, I'm such a diehard New York Yankee fan. The fact that we brought Judge back, like I love the big rivalries and the Houston Astros right now are so good that I cannot wait for the Yankees-Astros next year. Um, it's not really bucket list, but I just love that clashing where you just know it's like the best against the best. And of course you're there with all your people in Yankee Stadium. That's like, I, I you know, that's where the fan in me comes out. A lot of those like, um, a lot of those bigger events, sometimes aren't that much fun. You know, I've been covering them from a media standpoint. So maybe that's it. Like I can't be, you know, tailgating and, you know, doing, you know, cake stands outside some of the events that I covered. But, uh, right, yeah, I kind of right. uh, yeah, keep it with my fandom with, uh, you know, I'm just a giant Yankee fan and that, that truly means the most to me, but uh, listen Army, Navy is going to be I mean, uh, you know, the, the fact that uh, what the, the, the history history involved in that and how much it means and just the, uh, you know, whether it's both bands and just, uh, you know, the passion and just the uh, the camaraderie that's going on right there. And then in the end, it's all about celebrating America's armed forces. It's going to be nothing like that. So, you know, I might have to put that. I got to follow you on social media that day because make sure you do some content for it. Cause that 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 might be the one I have to do based on how it went for you, my friend. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know what? Uh, I had a friend of mine, he's the, um, what's the deal? He's the he's the uh, SID, Sports Information Director, Assistant AD for Navy. He's been there 20-some years, and he's like, you got to come. I go, well, let me have your tickets. Totally forgot about it, and then about three weeks ago, he goes, hey, you remember, you still want the tickets? I go, heck yeah, let's go. So we're going to get in the car, we're going to motor on out, we're going to stay the night, you know, stay in a hotel, you know how we do, and end uh, up, uh, you know, going to the game. So there you go. Uh,
2: You know what? I feel like Philadelphia's crime rate, or or at least that that surrounding area's crime rate, will be low that weekend because you're going to have a ton of military members in town. (laughs) So so, note to all the criminals out there, you might want to take this weekend off because the U.S. military is coming for you. Let's go. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I don't think you need to hire anybody. I think you're in good shape. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Always a good time, Dan. Congrats on everything, man. That Mike Gunzelman at the Guns, G-U-N-Z show. He's one of the all-time greatest. I mean, look what I like about Mike is he's going to bring it. He's going to bring it. He ain't going to mess around, and we're going to have a chat. That's how I used to tell my kids, look, we're going to have a chat. We're going to have a chat. And usually that would be a one-sided. I'm asking on the YouTube chat, I'm asking, like, hey, look, what would be your bucket list game? Mine, Mike talked about the Yankees. Mine was I had to go to a World Series. When the Cubs were playing in the World Series, I had to go. I mean, I went, what was it, game three, first two were in Cleveland. I had to go. So Lee and I ended up going. All right. Uh, They did. And it was an unbelievable time. Uh, Curtis Manlow, this is an interesting bucket list deal. He says, Dan, bucket list item, going to Dennis Hoff's Bunny Ranch and pulling a Lamar Odom. There you go. My friend Jennifer, she says, Hey, Dan, I'm in Charlotte having airport beers. F. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) But honest to God, Memo Z, you are very, very welcome, and you are welcome every single day. Dan, Colts winning the Super Bowl in Miami, that was awesome in the rain. Uh BSU Warmer says Colts in the Super Bowl would have loved to attend if he could have afforded. That's the deal. Like when your team plays in a Super Bowl, I was actually, and I may still, I don't know. But if Michigan plays Notre Dame, or excuse me, Michigan plays Ohio State in the national championship game. I've never been to the Michigan-Ohio State game. I've always wanted to go. I don't know why I didn't go when my son was at Michigan, but I've always wanted to go to that game. Uh, if they play for a national championship, my God, I mean, let's talk about it. How much greatness would be there? How much fun would that be? That would be like, now tickets might be through the roof, but you know what? At some point, you, you, we all work. We all got credit cards. Pay those bad boys off a heck of a lot later. All right, when we come back, when we come back, uh, by the way, indie people, We are here on OutKick every day. I know a lot of you, and I appreciate a lot of you, have switched over and are here. But I got to tell you, let's get the indie fans that still want Dockage. Let's get you here. Let's have a time. Let's have a great time. You know what I mean? Dan, they hate me in the chat room, DD. My feelings have been hurt. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Your feelings, don't let your feelings be hurt. Come on. Sack the hell up. Don't at me. Let's go. All right, Armando Salagara joins us next. We're going to talk. Look, should Baker Mayfield, like, I want Baker Mayfield in my life. I want Baker Mayfield. I didn't like him when he was in Cleveland doing those commercials. Last night, I don't know about you, but man. Uh, Sean Black, bucket list. Playing golf with Dockage, Urban, Seth Greenberg. Here's what you would get with that. I'm the easiest guy in America to play, but I'll annoy you because we'll have to bet damn near every hole there'll be a press. Urban will be like, hey, what are we doing? And he'll kind of walk. He likes to walk. Greenberg likes to walk, but Greenberg will be in your ear chirping. Anytime we're in the cart, I'm like, will you stop chirping at me? Seth Greenberg beat me so bad one day in a round of golf uh, in the Bahamas that I got out. I literally got out of the cart and took off my shirt, took off my shoes, jumped in. What is it? The Caribbean and did a baptism. That's how bad he beat me. He beat me into a baptism. All right, look, we're here, baby. We're here and we're going to be here. We ain't going nowhere. This is a great spot for me. I'm so thankful to be here. I got a great team with me. Fantastic support and say whatever the hell we want. Thanks for being here. We got Armando next. If you haven't watched Armando, he's a senior NFL insider. All you guys, thanks for being here. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Uh, My friend Armando has just been described on the YouTube chat as the happiest guy in media. How about that? I can confirm. I can confirm. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Honest to God, I'm looking at the YouTube chat and um, you know, let's do it. Hey, a couple of things. Um, I want more Baker Mayfield. I want that Baker Mayfield in my life last night. I lost a hundred bucks. But I didn't care. I was actually rooting for him to do what he did. Give me your thoughts. So
3: my thoughts are – that was amazing. (laughs) That's my thoughts. Uh, Look, I get it. It's already an enormous assignment if you're 98 yards away from a potential winning touchdown. Let me see how much time was left. There was – When they got the football, there was one minute and 30 seconds remaining. Huge assignment. Drive 98 yards for the winning touchdown. Now, think of this. Drive 98 yards for the winning touchdown, but your starting wide receivers are not playing because they're hurt. Both of them. Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup. Drive 98 yards for the winning touchdown in the final 130 with no starting wide receivers, and you just showed up to the team two days ago. That is amazing what he did, but I got to tell you, Dan, he had a lot of help, and I'm not talking about help from his own team, the Las, the, the Las Vegas Raiders. I, I tweeted this last night. Josh McDaniel is lucky today and is employed today because Armando Salguero is not the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders.
0: <laughs> I, I said that after the Colts debacle. You know, they get the sack. Bob Knight, whether you like Coach Knight or not, whatever, or even if you don't know who he is, he he had a saying in coaching, stupid loses more than smart wins. Uh, you get a sack. How about you just go back and line up for the next minute instead of whacking the ball out right in front of an official and putting an official in a bad spot, Armando? There is that. And,
3: uh, you know, Jerry Tillery, bad bad look, brother. I mean, how many late penalties are you going to have at SoFi that cost your team the game? So that's number one. Number two, the Raiders got the football leading by six on their side of the field with three minutes and 19 seconds to play. So Josh McDaniel, who was brought to the team because he's a great offensive mind and a genius. And he showed it to us for many years with the new England Patriots. He calls an inside run on first down. And then he calls an inside run on second down. And then he calls an inside run on third down. Punt. (laughs) I mean, look, he was basically playing not to lose. That's number one. Number two, dude, (laughs) run a screen. uh, Pitch it. Toss it. Do something that is not super dangerous if you're really afraid in your play calling. And that's what that said but do something that might uh, put the defense in harm's way as far as not knowing what's coming. The Rams, they were like, oh, this is good. It's inside runs. We'll stop this because Bobby Wagner, our best defensive player, is playing in the middle. So that was number one. Then when the Raiders get on defense against the quarterback who just showed up, did they – Did they run and call defenses to disguise coverages to make him um, sort of be weirded out by what he was seeing and maybe delay his reactions? No! They played man press all the way down the field. And so did... What did Baker Mayfield do? He just picked out the open guy against man-on-man coverage, including for the winning touchdown. It's like... Baker, we want to lose. Here. Here's our coverage. <laughs> time after time, it's going to be the exact same coverage. Go ahead, brother. Do what you need to do.
0: Uh when you look at Josh McDaniels and you look at Nathaniel Hackett, and I'm not sure Eberflus is in that same deal. I'm not I'm not sure. I, I you know, they've got a quarterback. He's taking I don't know, but he's seeing, he's losing. What do you think happens to these first-year coaches? Is the NFL at the point with these three guys, do you think they're going to have a problem on Black, what do they call it, Black Monday, the Monday after the last game? Will any of these three have a problem on that day?
3: Nathaniel Hackett will. Uh, I, I don't think he survives this season. As a matter of fact, I, talking to people around the league, they're they're – they're shocked he's still there, um, and they understand why he's still there. Uh, he didn't exactly put together a great coaching staff, so you can't really pick someone to be the interim. But uh, he has stepped in one land on one landmine after another, and it's been a bad look. The marriage of him and and his system with Russell Wilson has not gone well. Anytime an offensive minded coach who was hired because of his great offensive mind and he has to give up the play calling in the same year, something is terribly, terribly wrong. And that's exactly what Nathaniel Hackett has had to do. He's made in-game mistakes on game management decisions. Um, Early on, he took the ball away from Russell Wilson and that backfired and tried to kick like a 60 whatever yard field goal. Then later on when it made sense to maybe kick field goals because we were in the 50s, he he went for it on fourth down with Russell Wilson. That didn't work. Lost his play calling. He, he, it's it's been it's just been bad with with uh, coach Hackett. And <laughs> yes. great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy but We're not measuring greatness of personality. We're measuring wins and losses.
0: Uh, It's been bad for Coach Hackett. I think that may be the understatement uh, of the day. It has not. It has not gone well. All right. Interesting spreads this weekend. I want your take on this game. You know, um, I thought, and I was pleasantly surprised, when the Detroit Lions – came to Indy to scrimmage that Dan Campbell wasn't just this meathead guy that wanted everybody to fight. It was a really good two days of work between the Colts and between the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell's won four out of five. Dan Campbell is now taking on a team. My God, how good. 10 and two, I believe the Vikings are. And Dan Campbell has him as a favorite. How do you see this game? Well, the Vikings
3: have a way of winning games at the end that are very close. The Lions still haven't learned to do that. They have a way of losing games at the end that are very close and and harming themselves in the process. So um, if it's close, I would assume that the Vikings, who know how to win close games, will do exactly that. Having said that, you mentioned Dan Campbell. And one thing that has been impressive about Dan Campbell that doesn't get said very often, aside because he's busy doing push-ups and, you know, uh, powerlifting his offensive line or something, um, Jared Goff has developed into a really good quarterback all of a sudden. Uh, He's a better quarterback for Dan Campbell this year than he ever was for Sean McVay in Los Angeles. In fact, obviously, Sean McVay gave up on him. And so you got to give Dan Campbell and his coaching staff props for what they've done with a quarterback that had great promise and was, you know, I think he was the first overall pick, if I'm not mistaken, at one point. Um, But... He's he's meeting those expectations now, uh, and it, he's young. On um, on the other hand, you know the Rams. Matt Stafford is a walking wounded this year, and I get it. They won the Super Bowl with him last year, and that that makes it all worthwhile for them. But over the long term, this trade that looked terrible for the Lions at first might be coming around and the pendulum might be swinging
0: towards, back towards
3: the Lions.
0: You know, the other game, Tom Brady goes in against Brock Purdy, and I know San Francisco's all the rage, but Tom Brady coming off a big win, I know people don't think they're very good, but damn, I hate betting against Tom Brady. He's a three-and-a-half-point underdog. He's getting three-and-a-half, Armando, against the last pick in the draft. I mean, what what do you make of that? Yeah, so this is what I make of it, Dan.
3: He's not facing the last pick in the draft. He's facing the best defense in the NFL. (laughs) And so...
0: That's true. uh, That's true.
3: And he has one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. That's a bad matchup for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. And Tom Brady is going to be the best quarterback in that stadium on Sunday but his offensive line is the worst offensive line in that stadium on Sunday facing the best defensive front in the stadium on Sunday. Those are just some bad things you're showing uh Joey Boza there. Uh this this guy is uh if he is not if he is not a defensive player of the year candidate, I don't know who is.
0: Um I did know there was a Boza, but I'm telling you, I don't know. Doesn't, doesn't Brock Purdy have to make plays? I mean, it's so, I don't know. I Look, I'm wrong. You're right. I'm dumb. You're smart. Uh, I've got the Colts as six-point underdogs against the bye this week.
3: Okay, so I'm glad that we figured out our SAT scores and IQs. Now that we've got that settled... By the way, that was Nick Boza, not Joey Boza. Um, now That's that we right. understand where we are at, Dan, and how smart, how much smarter I am than you. No, um, I have to tell you, Brock Purdy, you're a former basketball player, basketball coach, Brock Purdy, point guard. Okay. Distribute. Yeah. Let the guys around you. Make the plays for you. Don't screw it up. Don't be jacking up threes. It, it, the translation, the football translation of that is don't throw into coverage. Do the easy stuff and let your playmakers do what they're paid to do. That's where Brock Purdy will will kind of have his his day. And that's the reason that he was successful last week against the Miami Dolphins.
0: Is there any team that you can tell me, and it it might be the San Francisco 49ers with Brock Purdy, but is there any team not named, you know, the Eagles? Or, you know, is is there a team that you like as an up-and-comer that, hey, look, these guys get in the playoff. This is going to be interesting. Is there any team like that? And are you still high, or have you ever been high, on the Miami Dolphins?
3: Yeah, so the team that right now is really starting to make a move And okay, let's understand the conversation does not include the Kansas City Chiefs, the Eagles, which you eliminated from the conversation, obviously the Buffalo Bills, the team that everybody expects, right? Yeah.
0: Look at the Cincinnati Bengals.
3: Yeah, look at the Cincinnati Bengals. They are suddenly a very physical team, suddenly very disciplined, very good on defense. Suddenly, their offensive line that wasn't gelling at the beginning of the year and didn't look like the revamping of the unit was paying off is now paying off. And, oh, by the way, Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. And he's got a great set of playmakers. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got a great set of playmakers. They are on the ascent at the exact right time that they need to be. It feels like a replay of kind of like last year, except that they're better than last year. Watch out for the Bengals. As for the Dolphins, um, so I'm going to go to Buffalo next week uh, for OutKick to cover their game at the Bills. As for the AFC title, I'm sorry, Jet fans, but it is. That's going to be for the AFC title, uh, AFC East title, rather. And so uh, my guess is that they will be in the playoffs, how far, how deep they go in the playoffs. I have my, you know, my dubious nature kicks in at that
0: point, but they're they're playoff worthy, obviously. I think that's a great call. You know, I've said this in Indy, and it makes me nuts. It, it just makes me nuts. Uh, you know, you got to give a quarterback weapons. If you don't give a quarterback weapons – you, I don't see – maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't see you winning, I, you know, what you want to win. Like, I always say this, Armando, Coach Knight again taught me this. If you're trying to compete, then you got to figure out how are you beating the best teams. You're not trying to beat these teams. You're trying to set your team up to beat the best teams. That's just logic. And if you don't have weapons, and Cincinnati does, you're not beating uh, – Buffalo, you're not beating Kansas City. They got a zillion guys on those teams that can run four threes. They got weapons. You got to have weapons. It drives me nuts here in Indy. Right. You don't go into a gunfight with a knife.
3: Uh, It's just, it's not going to work out that great for you. And a lot of these teams, they ask their elite or franchise quarterbacks to do exactly that. The Baltimore Ravens come to mind. Lamar Jackson, I think we can understand and agree, is one of the top playmakers in the NFL. Um, He's every bit as athletic as anyone that plays the position, if not more so. He's got a gifted arm. He does the work. He is uh, able to make something out of nothing. But when you give him a wide receiver core that is not, nearly as accomplished as what has been in the past. And Andrews' his tight end has been fighting, you know, various dings and bruises and and and, and other yeah. medical issues. You're basically asking him to play with one hand tied behind his back, and that's just not the way it's done. Uh, on the other hand, in the same division, we go back to the Bengals. And even when Jamar Chase is out, the Bengals have T. Higgins and and Boyd, and they can hand it to Mixon or Perrine. It's like they've got this treasure trove of playmakers, and it's just it's Burrow deciding who do I beat you with today or on this certain play. Whereas Lamar is well, I've got to beat you on every play because my guys around me they're
0: not they're not it. No, I agree. I, look, I, I've said this forever, Armando. I have a weird affinity for Lamar Jackson. Like, I love that guy. I, I, I every time I watch him play, he, he, he's just so good. But you got to have weapons. Uh, you still digging on the? Uh, we good with the uh, Dolphins? Everything good there? Tua, we're good. What do you think? What? Where? You good? I'm good. I, you know,
3: the Dolphins. Uh, what are they? Eight and three. Eight and four. I'm undefeated. I'm real good. <laughs> you know, I haven't lost a game in any of the thirty years oh. that I've been covering uh, the NFL. So I'm and I go to every hey. Super
0: Bowl every year. Beat that record. Hey, I haven't lost a game since two thousand and eight. I ain't lying, and I ain't mad about it. You have a wonderful weekend, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. Uh, it's awesome. Armando Salgara, NFL insider. Read his stuff. Follow him on Twitter. It is really, really good always. The content that he brings is spectacular. Uh, you know, guys are asking me, and Roger Grismore, I appreciate the note yesterday. Guys are asking me, aren't I supposed to be a Bears fan? I grew up a Bears fan. I did. I grew up a Bears fan. And then I, you know, I got in media and indie, and I bought season tickets, and I became a Colts fan. What are you going to do? All right. Last. Woke adult, baby. Let's hear it. Who we got? Who we got? Oh, God. Honest to God. Seriously? People are becoming disabled by choice and calling themselves trans able. You know, this is interesting. There is a disease called Munchausen by proxy. Munchausen by proxy. Um... Munchhausen by proxy is when a parent, usually a woman, I think, uh, injures their child so that they can be the rescuer. Look it up. It's insane. I saw it on like one of those 2020s or whatever it was back in the day. Munchausen by proxy is nuts. And this is what this reminds me of. Hey, look, I'm going to sit here and make myself disabled. You know what it's for. It's for two things, possibly money and obviously attention. Can you imagine? That is pure evil. God gave us a body. And if you have a healthy body, yeah, we all eat too much and we don't necessarily take care of it, but you got to take care of it to a point. You don't go out and make yourself, I don't know, I want to be disabled. Really? All right. Go be disabled. There you go. Gavin, if Baker Mayfield goes 98 yards to win this game, I will get fully neutered. I don't have the answer to this, and so this will be my last question. This will be my last question on the uh, on the on the deal. What does "fully neutered" mean? What does it mean? No, you can answer. Hey, Melinda Grimes, uh, gonna miss you uh, from 12 to 3. You were the best thing on 1070. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate everybody on the YouTube chat. Remember, come back. We're going to be here. We are going to be here every day, whether it's OutKick uh, on Facebook, whether it's right here on YouTube, whether it is at Don't At Me. You can go to Twitter, sign up, at Don't At Me. Just give us a follow. Is Dan Dockage the GOAT? Yes, 92%. And yes, See, that's the kind of Twitter poll that I'm used to. That's the kind of voting that I'm used to in the great state of Indiana, in the northwest corner of the great state of Indiana. That's what I'm saying. Honest to God. Uh, Dan, Colin Burroughs says, don't give yourself... He didn't say this, but I'm thinking this. Don't give yourself too much credit for honest Colts coverage. Colin says, honest Colts coverage has never been easier. All right. I can do it in one word. Bad. How about that? Bad. There you go. Yeah. Hey, I really, 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 really appreciate. I really appreciate everybody being here. And like I said, to start the show, I had to make a decision. And I'm going to put out a video thanking everybody that watched the show. 14 and some change. I had to make a decision. That decision came down. Do I want to do this show or do I want to be on from noon to 3 in the afternoons here in Indy with Radio 1, a new company that bought our station. Decision for me, it was not an easy one. I'm not going to tell you. I mean, we took a radio uh, station that really had one show and it was a good show. Kravitz and Eddie, uh, when they started, it was a good show. But they had uh espn programming they wanted national long story short 10 to 1 i started next thing you know started garnering some attention they wanted to move me noon to three cool by me what do i care next thing you know we make this from nothing literally nothing to the number one midday show in the midwest four straight years or three straight years whatever it was now they only started that poll about five years ago so if it's five or six or seven years long We've won it more than anybody. Actually, the Outkick 360 guys always came in second and we made it fun, but I digress. I'm giving you background. I have to say a massive thank you. A massive thank you to everybody that walked through the journey of my life on the show from noon to three. You saw me get divorced. You did. You saw my kids grow up. You saw me get married to the lovely Lee Ross. You were there with me when my father passed away. You guys have been great. There was really no background to it. The station didn't have any listenership in the morning. It was, you know, it was a station trying to find its way. Jeff Smolian, Kent Sterling, and Tom Severino gave me an unbelievable chance. And once Emmis sold the company, once uh, Jeff Smolian sold the company, I knew I was going to have to make a choice. I knew this day would come, and I'm glad it did because now I get to throw everything into OutKick. And I got to tell you, this is a blast. There are no restrictions. You can talk about what you'd want. We're going to continue to get a massive following. And guess what? My friend Jimmy Cook, I think, is taking over my show, at least I hope he is. And so it'll be a great show. So it's win-win for everyone. I'm so excited uh, to be here. But more than anything, When we started our show back in 2008, we got it going. I think it was October. We said a couple things. One, this is not going to be a normal sports talk show. This will not be only a sports talk show. There wasn't really social media. This was going to be about more than sports. Uh, Politics were going to get involved. Uh, Social was going to get involved. Where to go? Culture. Culture was gonna get involved. But the baseline theme of this show, my show, was going to be service to our community. I learned that from Bob and Tom. And I gotta tell you, you all embraced. It. We raised money for a kid down in Columbus, Ohio, or Columbus, Indiana, that got injured in a car accident. He was playing basketball, um, At Vermont, I started talking about it. We raised $75,000. You guys know about our bikes program. You guys know about our golf outings. What you don't know is thousands of people, and I mean this literally, have come up to me over the last 10 years and thanked us. Myself and our show, my buddy Kyle Konezovich, they thanked us for uh, committing to no chew. No chew campaign. Don't chew tobacco. I chewed for 35 years. I quit. It was hard. I shared my story. I was embarrassed about my story, but I shared it. So we were and have and will continue to be committed, ladies and gentlemen, to my town, to Indianapolis. Haters can hate, and that's the beauty of being a talk radio host. Writers can write. Haters can hate. The scribes and the elders can do; they can go biblical and get all mad and get all upset. But we're here to do God's work. We're here to do the work of helping our community, and that ain't stopping. But what is going to start is an absolute <laughs> jet stream of OutKick. It's already started. I've been a part of it for years. You all have supported it. Come back. We'll see you on Monday right here, 9 to 11. Uh, got to thank everybody who was subbing in Ryan's not here. Who did you say was in Dylan? Tyler, thank you for uh, subbing in Aaron. Fantastic. Gary, the big boss. Thanks for the text. Dylan, you're the fricking best there ever is to do it. We got a great team here. We'll see you on Monday. I'm going to army Navy, baby. Have a great weekend.